So, good afternoon. Um, my name is Susan Lamarca, for those of you that don't know me, and it is my distinct pleasure to welcome you here this afternoon to the first of SLAB's reading forums for 2018, our primary showcase. Uh, this is the first of uh, four reading forums that are going to be running across the year. Our aim is to expose, every, uh, expose school library staff to great ideas, opportunities surrounding reading and stories, and to encourage best practice and discussion. Each event will have a featured topic and involve practitioners in sharing ideas. Each will also have a guest author or illustrator, and the kids' bookshop will be in attendance at each event. You all have uh, a form with details about the forums in your wonderful show bags. This year, we will be recording each of the forums, beginning with this afternoon. So um, all of our wonderful voices are on tape. This recording will be made into a podcast and be available on our website, on the SLAB website, on open access to anyone. Our regional membership um, across Victoria have welcomed this initiative. They're very excited. Those that can't quite make it down to Melbourne for something um, are very excited that they'll be able to hear the afternoon um, sitting in their armchair. Kids Bookshop are our partners for this event. They're here tonight with a great selection of books, and I've seen all of you, most of you out there already having a one look at their table. Um, they have pre-order forms for all of the books that the publishers are going to be speaking about, and Kristen did mention as I came in that they'll be offering a 20% discount on anything you order this evening. So well worth putting in a pre-order, I think, for something you hear about. Please do browse them later on. Okay, so the program for tonight is very, very full. We have six fantastic publishing companies all ready to share with us the titles they have coming out now and into 2018. Each publisher has five minutes, so that's going to be very interesting. We are going to try and stick to the times. Um, this event is in homage to the CYL's um, YA event. Many of you are sure you've attended that. So we're going to do similar, try and keep to the five minutes. I'm going to ring a bell at five minutes but I'll wave my hand around to the presenter one minute before so that they know that their time is, um, is getting close to finishing. This will be followed by the amazing Anna Walker and Jane Godwin. But before we get to that part, it's our publishers, and we're going to begin with Alan and Unwin, please. So, thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm quite short, but can you all see me and hear me? Yes, okay. Um, yes, I'm Eva Mills. I'm the Publishing Director for Books for Children and Young Adults at Allen & Unwin here in Melbourne. We have a wonderful and a very large list of titles coming in 2018, which is suitable for primary aged kids. Um, and I've only got five minutes, so I've chosen to focus on a handful that are coming in the next six months only. Um, there are more titles listed in the handout in your show bags, but even that's not everything that we have for 2018. So please, if you haven't signed up for one of our e-newsletters, that's the best way to keep up to date with all of our upcoming releases. Okay, so the first title I would like to highlight is an absolutely perfect, heartbreaking little novel for seven to 11 year olds by Ursula Jugosarski. Brinda Bella is what the boy in this story calls his pet kangaroo, who he's hand reared from a joey. But while Penda has saved Brinda Bella's life, she also longs to be free. It's quite a short novel, but it's beautifully formed and it's illustrated throughout with gorgeous Drawings by Andrew Joyner. Um, there are copies of it actually in the store out there. It's printed in a sepia colour, which makes it a little bit unusual. Uh, for me, this book is most reminiscent of Sarah Pennypacker's Pax. Brindabella's is, is for a slightly younger audience, but both books address the questions 
Should we tame wildness? And if we do, what is the cost? It covers cross-curriculum themes of sustainability and environmental issues. Next, we've got a really fantastic series um, called The Freedom Finders by Emily Connolly. This is an interactive historical adventure series for nine to 13 year olds. It puts readers right into the shoes of inspirational kids navigating their way to Australia. So this is basically choose your own adventure, but stories of migration. You, the reader, are put into the action, having to make decisions at every turn. Should you stay and nurse your sick ma or go out on the streets of 19th century London looking for food? Should you trust the Somali pirates who say they can get you to Australia or stay in war-torn Mogadishu? Author Emily Connellan is a passionate refugee advocate and was inspired to write these books as a way to encourage empathy in children about the reasons people might leave their own countries to make a new home in Australia. These are the first two stories in the series, Colonial London and Contemporary Somalia, and next year we'll be publishing two further titles looking at post-war European migration and refugees from Vietnam in the 1970s. Emily's done an enormous amount of research and consultation, and the series covers multiple curriculum areas, including history and geography, critical and creative thinking, personal and social capability, ethical understanding, and intercultural understanding. So it packs a big punch. Uh, David Metzenson is, a highly is highly respected as the author of some wonderful young adult fiction, as well as the award-winning picture book, One Minute Silence, with illustrator Michael Camilleri. This is something completely different. George Parker goes global. It's a madcap <coughs> adventure for 10 to 14 year olds, which our young test readers have absolutely loved. The narrator is George Parker. He's super clever, but he's somewhat clueless about real life. So when an accidentally extreme haircut brings him to the attention of super cool and very rich Chase Landon Bond, we think we know where the story's going. But against all odds, George and Chase actually become the firmest of friends. And fueled by enormous amounts of coffee, plus George's brain and Chase's money, they set off on an international jet-setting adventure to rescue Chase's sister. This is a totally crazy, crazy completely over-the-top romp. And um, yes, maybe I do have the same sense of humour as a 10-year-old boy, but I genuinely laughed out loud quite a lot reading this. Um, and it does remind me of, and I would not say this lightly, um, Douglas Adams' A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's got something of the same tone. So I think this is a really good one to get your reluctant readers going. <coughs> Eddie Ayres will be known to many of you as Emma Ayres, the much-loved ABC classical music presenter who transitioned to Eddie just before his 50th birthday. After leaving ABC Radio, Eddie worked in Afghanistan for some time teaching music to children, and it was there that the idea for Sonam and the Silence was born. This beautiful picture book tells the story of Sonam, a young girl selling gum on the streets to help her family make ends meet. Music is banned, yet one day Sonam hears the sound of a beautiful lute being played from behind a walled garden. The old musician agrees to teach her until her brother finds out and fears for her safety, but the gift of music stays with her forever. Ronak Tahir is an Iranian-Australian artist and her beautiful and unusual collages complement this lyrical fable-like text. Curriculum areas include Asia and Australia's engagement with Asia and intercultural understanding. <coughs> okay, uh, we're not publishing this last project till September uh, and I'm running out of time, so I'm going to just very briefly show it to you now because it's personally very close to my heart. Four Fairy Tales for Feisty Girls will be a beautiful hardback collection of traditional tales retold in such a way that the heroines are given back their agency. So we have Rapunzel chopping off her own hair and creating a zip line to escape from the tower. 
Cinderella selling her glass slipper to start an animal sanctuary, Red Riding Hood using her botanical knowledge to create sleepy time tea for the wolf, and Thumbelina making her own magic to find her way home. And just to finish with a couple of internals, we have four different illustrators uh, for the four different stories, so it's a gorgeous book. Thank you. Okay, the uh, highly successful Legends series has been a hit with boys and girls uh, in the middle to upper primary years. Written by mad keen sports author Michael Pankridge, each book in the series is a standalone story with strong male and female characters battling it out over a number of sports and a variety of settings. The series starts with Chasing the Drake, featuring a surfing um, camp, cricket, tennis, football, netball, soccer and basketball follow in the subsequent books. The premise of the story is a sporting quest that sees the characters vying to be announced legends of the various sports. Uh, the series starts with um, cha uh, I've done that, haven't I? <laughs> a variety of engaging topical themes are explored in each book, providing opportunities for shared reading and discussion-based work in the classroom. One of the features that both parents and teachers have commented on in the, is the fact that the Legends books have drawn in reluctant readers, as well as students comfortable with uh, reading novels. Each book contains pages of scores, statistics, quiz, results, ladders, and a map, and other informational text that uh, add another dimension to the, uh, to the story. Okay, Big and Me courageously, um, sensitively tackles mental illness, difficult topic uh, for children. Big and small are machines that work together as a team. But uh, some days, Big goes a bit wobbly and I get a bit worried, says Small. Big malfunctions in a variety of ways and Small tries to help with the assistance of the boss and mechanic. David Miller's colourful, unique 3D paper sculptures and simple compassionate text present teachers with many opportunities to explore the myths, truths and realities of uh, mental illness. Big and Me was published in hardcover in October 2008 and this is the first um, paperback edition. Footy stars, Stephanie Jockey and the Coopers Hill Cheese Chase. The main character is Collingwood's AFLW captain, Steph Jockey. Steph is an outstanding role model for children. Steph jets off to England to take on a bully in the world-famous Gloucester Cheese Rolling Race. Tasked with winning the race to save the family cheese-making business, she must call upon her elite football abilities and also utilise the help of an inventive uh, fan. This book not only highlights Steph's sporting abilities, but in turn, the abilities of all AFLW footballers. The book's uh, themes include bullying and teamwork, and there's also plenty of action and adventure. Women's and girls football ex is uh, experiencing a massive rise in uh, participation. The official AFL website reports 53,409 girls participated in Auskick programs in 2016. That's an increase of 21%. There are now 983 um, female community team clubs. And this book is great for girls who have caught the footy bug or are players of another sport. The book also appeals to boys who are fans of football and, of course, Collingwood supporters. Books and Publishing says Matt Porter delivers the right amount of madcap adventure and comedy alongside a message of teamwork, determination and resourcefulness. Suitable for middle primary audience, it will appeal equally to footy fans and to readers looking for a laugh-out-loud escapade. The resulting story is both fun and action-packed. The book also features footy tips from Steph, a question and answer section from her to give readers an insight into the life goals and requirements of an elite athlete. The 
perfect leaf. Some of you I saw picking up outside. Um, that's a pre-production copy, or post-production copy actually, but I'm sure you can order it if you um, like. I did see several people go up to um, uh, the bookseller and uh, ask to buy it, so sorry about that. It's the only copy I have. But this is a story that begins with uh, a simple idea. Two little girls, strangers, meet and play. It's based on a real afternoon as the author and illustrator watched his daughter play with um, another little girl in the autumn leaves in Dalesford. They hunted through drifts of leaves up to their knees, building worlds in their imaginations. In The Perfect Leaf, however, the girls' private imaginations begin to appear in the world around them. The pictures are full of, um, and sometimes obvious and not so obvious, creatures hidden in leaves, trees, shadows and branches, line between what is actually there in their hands and what they imagine they can see becomes blurred. For primary readers, it creates a world of questions with no right or wrong answers. Are they just shadows or animals? Are the acorn fairies and leaf dragons really there? And what is real? Is the imagination more important in storytelling than the real world? The silent ending is pure imagination, or is it? Teachers and librarians who read The Perfect Leaf to and with children should encourage them to question everything they see and read in the story and let them decide for themselves where one world ends and another starts. Placement of the worlds themselves are as placeful as the leaf leaves and the text is full of clear similes, simple metaphors and evocative um, adjectives to encourage children to have fun with words. Perfect Lisa, treasure hunt, celebrating the joy of play and the wonder of imagination. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Hi, uh, yes, uh, my name's Andrew Kelly and it's my honour to be the publisher at uh, Wild Dog Books. Uh, I would just like to acknowledge the Boonarong as the traditional owners of the land on which we're meeting today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Um, Wild Dog is uh, a growing Melbourne-based publisher. Uh, if you haven't come across us before, we do have a particular emphasis, which is non-fiction and we have a particular taste for using photographs so that kids really remember those facts that they discover in our books. So we believe passionately that every child has a right to uh, non-fiction and to non-fiction at a suitable age level, a suitable reading level. And that's our mantra. And we hope that kids will remember at least one fact from a book of ours that they read for their entire lives and it becomes part of the fabric of their life. <coughs> so I am... <coughs> theming this by author. So one of our authors is Lorna Hendry. This is a book that was actually published last year and was an honour CBCA book. Uh, Lorna was, got halfway through a genetics degree before uh, becoming a book designer and now she's actually a lecturer in editing at RMIT so she's got an excellent grasp of words and a very good understanding of how a book works. Uh, this was another of her recent books and her first coming title, forthcoming I should say, title uh, Germs is coming out in August. So uh, a topic that uh, kids are bound to like. Uh, our next author I'd like to introduce is actually in the room with us today, Charlie. Just give us a wave. So Charlie has written a number of books for us and is uh, both uh, not only an author but an editor and is passionate about words. And this book's already been published but uh, it just demonstrates Charlie's passion for both uh, conveying information with humour uh, and that just gives you a bit of a flavour of the interior of the book, which I'm sure is available outside if you'd like to purchase it later. Um, and I did want to slip this one in, even though it's just been published in February, but this is The Year of the Dog, 
Uh, the year of the dog is, of course, this year in the Chinese calendar, so here we are just stretching the notion of non-fiction a little bit. It is a picture book, but it does introduce children in, uh, to the notion of the, the Chinese New Year, and in particular, this year of the dog. And it kind of fitted with our name, of course, rather neatly. Um, this is another of our authors. Uh, his forthcoming title is uh, A Journey to the Centre of the Earth. I don't have a publication date for it. His previous title was How Far Is Deep Space? And if you take uh, the opportunity to have a look at it, it's somewhat different. It doesn't work the way a normal book works, but it begins on the first page and makes it all the way out to the end of the heliosphere and the beginning of deep space, and the journey of the centre of the Earth will be in the reverse direction to the centre of the Earth. Oh, and that must almost be me. I did want to mention a couple of other titles because I have them here. Community is out in April, a somewhat different take on non-fiction because it's really about the concept rather than about facts. Um, we also have coming out in August uh, Wildcats, also by Charles Hope. Uh, and again, it's really the power of the image that drives these stories and makes the facts that are presented memorable. Uh, so you get a lot of detail, but you also get high impact uh, on the child readers. In October, we'll have Fruit in a series about uh, farm to table. Uh, in October, we'll have Teddy and Frankie, which is a series about wildlife rescue, a, a real story. We published a book by Angela Buchanan Robinson. She's a wildlife photographer and she is a wildlife rescuer. So she's uh, doing a series of several books for us. Uh, each book has two stories in it about an animal rescue and her pictures are truly glorious. Uh, so I think that is actually enough for me. Thanks very much. I'm Georgia, I'm from Marketing at Text. Um, really happy to be bringing these titles to you today. 2017 was a great year for us. We celebrated 10 years of the Text Prize and the way we celebrated was by deciding to publish all four of our shortlisted titles. So two of these titles, Bonesland and The Art of Taxidermy, are YA, so I won't really be, do, be touching on them tonight, but, uh, oops, pardon. I seem to be missing a title. Anyway. <laughs> um, that's all right. Um, well, so we're going to talk about the extremely weird thing that happened at Huggerby Falls, which is our Text Prize winner for 2017. It's a middle grade title for ages eight plus. It's the first instalment in a hilarious adventure trilogy. The second book's coming out in October, and um, Andy Griffiths actually broke his puff rule for this book, which we're all really excited about. <laughs> I can't stop talking about it. Um, it's a really unique story, it's got huge imagination, really celebrates individuality, celebration of being different, like what makes you unique. It's really high engagement but low difficulty, so I think it'll really appeal to like both boys and girls. So it's about Kip, Symphony and Tobias. They live in the weirdest town on earth, Huggerby Falls. And then one day, everything <coughs> starts to seem pretty normal. So that's pretty unusual to be normal in a weird town. You know, we have a witch for a maths teacher, vegetarian piranhas list goes on. Um, so it's a race against the clock to really get things back to weird. If you would like to win a copy of this book, please hand in your slip to me. I'll be just sitting over here and I'll be picking three winners in the next few days. Right, so next up we have Bob by Wendy Mast and Rebecca Stead. This is a book for like ages eight and up. Rebecca Stead was actually inspired to write this really tender and engaging story on her most recent visit to Australia and she wrote the first chapter on the plane ride home. 
You may know Rebecca and Wendy from their New York Times bestsellers, When You Reach Me and Candy Makers, respectively. Um, so they take it in turns, they have alternating chapters, both writing from the perspective of the two main characters, Livy and Bob. Livy and Bob, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, Livy hasn't been to her grandparents' house in Australia for five years. She hardly remembers it. She also doesn't remember Bob, this tiny creature living in her grandparents' cupboard. Who is Bob? Why can't she remember him? This story is so moving. It's really about like friendship and imagination with this beautiful Australian setting against the backdrop of a drought-stricken country town. Um, and it also features really wonderful illustrations by Nicholas Gannon. So The Peacock Detectives was uh, also shortlisted for the 2017 text prize. Um, fans of Rebecca Stead will actually really love this one as well. It's really nuanced and gentle, yet very quirky. It's about dealing with change, discovering who you are. It really has this wonderful Australian flavour and champions a relationship between Cassie, the main character, and her sister, Diana, who's 14 going on 15, something that Cassie doesn't really understand. So it follows um, Cassie as she realises that the peacocks named William Shakespeare and Virginia, who live opposite the Holiday Park in her rural Australian town, have gone missing. She decides to go and in Hunt, dubbing herself the Peacock Detective, and yet on the way, sort of uncovers clues revealing a family mystery of her own. And finally, we have A Mile Unbound, which is a personal favourite of mine. I absolutely devoured this book. Um, it's a real highlight for me in this year's list. It's so powerful. Um, Aisha Saeed is a co-founder of the We Need Diverse Books campaign. And as an American Pakistani writer writing about a Pakistani girl, it's a really great candidate for the Own Voices campaign. <coughs> this story is really about female empowerment, like the value of education and passion, holding on to your dreams, and has been inspired by Malala, Malala Yousafzai's true story. Um, so Amal is a young girl. She lives in Pakistan and she dreams of becoming a teacher. When her mother falls into postnatal depression, Amal has to give up going to school and help raise her many little sisters. In the process, she falls, off that, falls foul of a rich but cruel local family and has to live and work with them as their servant. But her passion for learning helps her to uncover a secret that could be her ticket to freedom. Really encourage everyone to get around this one. It's got such a beautiful cover. It's really like really passionate and moving story. So yeah, we're really excited about all of these titles. Can't wait to share them all with you. We're going to have teaching notes available on our website for each title upon publication. And again, if you're interested in winning a copy of the extremely weird thing that happened in Huckabee Falls, please let me know, hand in your slip, and I can start picking some winners. Also, just quickly say that um, we've got some really great news this week. We have seven titles on the CBCA Notables for 2018 list. I've included a handout with some of the notes that some of you will have. So please do check out all of those titles. They're really incredible, and we're really, really excited about it. Thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Marianne Valentine. I'm the publisher at Black Dog Books and um, really happy to be here today with so many enthusiastic librarians who really are my favourite people. Okay, uh, if, if you're not familiar with this little series then I really urge you to have a look at it because it is absolutely delightful. Your students, of course, will be familiar with it because it is a series on the ABC at the moment, but predating the ABC TV series are the beautiful books. Um, so new books have been created um, 
since the series. Uh, there's a, they're all about what happens in the 15 minutes of Little Lunch at school and they're hilarious because Danny Katzi's hilarious. Uh, supported by beautiful illustrations by Mitch Bain and lots of reading support for any kids that you might have that might not be um, such keen readers. They'll be really keen to read these ones. Three little stories in every book. Okay, now to something completely different. Um, Bird to Bird has just come out today, I think. Uh, a stunning picture book by award-winning author Claire Saxby and illustrator um, Wayne Harris. A very simple text inspired by a story told to Claire by a Tasmanian librarian. Um, and so it's based on a true story of, um, and, and it begins in, in England, uh, pre-white settlement in Australia, a bird sends a seed to the forest floor, it grows into a tree, and then what happens to that tree? Eventually it becomes bunks on a convict ship, then it's repurposed, because of course they didn't need the bunks going the other way. It's repurposed as a weaving loom, and, and then what happens to that wood? So, and it's based on an actual piece of wood. Uh, so that is out in, at the moment, and absolutely gorgeous. Then this one we're very proud of. Um, you might wonder why we need to do a book of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander words and phrases. Well, it has become apparent to me that plenty of Aboriginal words have entered our everyday vernacular and we have very little idea of what they mean or where they come from. For example, corroboree is bandied around like it's just a name for a party, which of course it's not and it's just from one mob. And So this, this is a very, um, very careful and clear meanings given to words that we hear and kids would hear every day but would have little idea of, um, of what they might mean. Um, and I particularly love, it's written by uh, Ani Faye Muir, who's a Boonwurrung elder, and uh, with our own Sue Lawson, who you will all know from Freedom Ride and her many other novels. Um, but I particularly love that quote by Uncle Jim Berg, um, which is down the bottom, his name's fallen off, but um, he told me when he read this book, he cried. So he was so proud that someone had done this. So I'm very, very excited to be publishing that book in June. Uh, also, our fantastic Donna Rawlins, who you'll all know from my place, uh, teamed up with Mark Jackson and Heather Potter to do um, this book, which is the most unusual picture book. Uh, but it's about the waves of migration that have brought people to the shores of Australia um, and guess what? It's not a new thing. They've been coming for tens of thousands of years. So it begins with prehistory and, of course, ends with our most recent migrants. First-person stories, very engaging. Every single story has its own, you know, it's heartbreaking and scary. And So I really recommend that one to you. It's coming out in June, and I've got a copy if anyone wants to have a good old look at it. Am I nearly out of time? Okay. <laughs> Quick. Um, this little book is all about resilience. What happens when you don't uh, do something perfect the first time? When you make a little boat and it sinks and you have to think about it and look at it and work out how you can do it better next time. Um, this is what um, Spirit is about. I'm very happy to see an Asian face on a picture book. I'm very excited about that. Uh, of course by um, Christina Booth and a new author, Sherry Ryan. And last of all, um, 
in this age of sort of separation from our natural environment, um, Ananda Braxton-Smith has written this beautiful book about all the things that will be in kids' own backyard, all the, the wildlife that will be within metres of them if they sat on their back step like our little character in this book does and just watches what happens at dusk in their own backyard. Finished. Oh. You're not ringing that bell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Tina Gumbia. I'm the publicity manager for Children's and YA at Penguin Random House. Um, Errols. I got a lot of books in five minutes, so <laughs> I'm gonna uh, start with Mr. Ben Buckle's Remarkables. Um, author Tim Harris, a former primary school teacher of 15 years, is one of Australia's funniest new authors for kids at the moment. Um, in the fight back, he returns with a fresh batch of stories about the mysterious Mr. Ben Beckles and the class of room 12B, um, where much hilarity and classroom chaos is on the cards. Um, shout out to the girls is our very own version of um, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, featuring 50 amazing Australian women from the past and present, including Carrie Bigmore, Julia Gillard, Mary McKillop, Kate Blanchett and Edith Cowan, just to name a few, presented in a beautifully illustrated book. Um, Jacqueline Harvey is back with a brand new action-packed spy adventure series for girls and boys. Twins Kenzie and Max's lives are turned upside down when they are whisked off to London and discover their parents are missing. They think their grandmother runs the is the publisher of a local newspaper when in fact she runs the biggest spy agency in the country. Otherworld um, is a high-energy action-packed series by best-selling author George Ivanov. Join the characters as they race through the corridors of a clone world or try to stay off the menu in a crazy animal version of steampunk London. Through each doorway, a huge adventure awaits. George has created wonderfully vibrant worlds that young readers will find very exciting. Fearless Frederick is a great companion book to The Boy and the Spy. This heart-racing adventure is set during the Paris flood in 1910, and our junior hero Frederick and his friends battle an escaped zoo animal and fight off pickpockets and looters. As the danger escalates, Frederick discovers what courage really means. Pippa's Island is a gorgeous new series from the author of Lulu Bell and the Time Slip series. In Camp Castaway, book four in, th in this series, Pippa and her three new besties are off to a school camp on a deserted tropical island. In order to survive five days away from home, Pippa needs to be bold, brave and full of happy spirit, the motto of her sassy sisters club. Girls with a taste of, for adventure will love this series. Um, pesky Kids, from the hilarious author of... Uh, did I just... I missed a book, didn't I? Oh, I did. Gonna say, um, oh, I am Sasha. Um, this is an incredible story of survival by Melbourne author Anita Zelsa. Um, though written in novel form, um, this story is based on true events. Sasha was the author's father and thanks to his 
Thanks to his mother, who took the ingenious step to train him to be a girl, Sasha survived the Holocaust. Um, from the hilarious author of Friday Barnes comes another highly entertaining new series, Three Squabbling Siblings, One All Too Perfect, Next Door Neighbor, A Bumbling Dad, A Missing Mom, International Hitman, and An Eccentric Country Town. What could possibly go wrong? Linting is an incredibly exciting adventure series on the high seas with a feisty female protagonist. It's filled with deadly creatures, impossible tasks, dangerous quests, nail-biting battles, and two friends determined to make their way in the world. Um, from the acclaimed creators of Wicked Warriors and Evil Emperors and Dragons, Devils and Rebels comes the unputdownable history of Down Under. Upside down and unexpected, heroic and sometimes tragic, but never ever boring. And last but not least, we have a bunch of gorgeous, fun and inspiring and sometimes thought-provoking picture books by much-loved creators such as Andrew Joyner, Gus Gordon, Anna Walker and Janie Godwin. And we also have some new kids on the blog, including Michael Speechley, Shelley Unwin and Ron Joy Gosh. Um, I've brought some samples of these picture books, so come and see me afterwards if you'd like to have a look. And we're also very lucky to have Anna and Janie here today to talk to you about their beautiful new book, Gogo and the Silver Shoes. Thank you. <laughs> so the second part of our uh, session this afternoon, we are absolutely thrilled at SLAV to be able to have the extraordinary team of Jane Goldman and Anna Walker here to share with us their new picture book, Gogo and, the, Gogo and the Silver Shoes. These are two amazing book creators with a list of titles to their names that is long and extraordinarily impressive. I'm sure that there is a favourite of yours up on the screen here, and this is not everything that they've produced. We just threw a few up there to remind you about how amazing these women are. And I'm sure, as, as I am, I'm sure you're looking forward to hearing about their latest collaboration. So if I can welcome Jane and Anna to the podium, please. Well, hi everybody. So we're Jane and Anna, and um, <laughs> it's lovely to be here this afternoon and talk with you about our new book, Gogo and the Silver Shoes. Um, we, we thought we might have a bit of a chat about the way we work together, didn't we? And, yeah. um, and some would talk a little bit about um, our earlier books and also talk about Gogo. Um, so Gogo is our sixth collaboration together, and um, I know. Um, yeah, here we are working. Oh, I think it's just the arrow. Everyone else found the arrow. Oh, oh, this arrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're just really great at collaborating. I just, yeah. just found, I just found the, the smallest arrow on the key. You had. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So that's um, us in my studio. And. Uh, we, we feel really lucky because um, it's not, uh, you know, often authors and illustrators don't, some of them don't ever meet w when they're working on a book together and um, some of them live in, you know, different cities or not close to each other, but um, we work very closely together, don't we? And yeah, yeah, and, and when, when I first met Janie, um, it was for Little Cat and the Big Red Bus, so, um, that was for what I see as my first true picture book. 
So I was so nervous flailing to Penguin <laughs> and um, met Danny and said hello. And then I saw you, you saw me in the supermarket, in the supermarket a, yeah. a, a few days later and I did, you said hello and I had no idea who you were. I was so Anyway. And we, yeah, so. when the way Anna and I met was um, I was the publisher at Penguin and Anna came in with her um, beautiful little um, books about Ollie, the little zebra character. And um, Michelle Madden, the editor, and I met with Anna, and we really loved them. And um, we we uh, went to make an offer, but we weren't quick enough. And Scholastic made an offer before us, so they got those books. Maybe, yeah. But I was so I was so um, excited to to know you that whenever whenever Janie would ring, the kids would, and the phone would ring, and I'd jump to, and the ki- the kids would say, "Quick, it's Jane Godwin on the phone." <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Now you probably think, oh my God, what does she want now? (laughs) 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 Um, And then, yeah, so when when we didn't get the the Ollie books, I had had this text for Little Cat that I'd just been sort of mucking, you know, fiddling around with. And so I sent that to Anna and said, um, you know, I'd really love you to consider this. And that was like the beginning of our It was, yeah. I remember the moment I opened the envelope that had the text for Little Cat and a big red bus and I remember crying as I read the text it was so beautifully written and I couldn't believe I was like allowed to illustrate it and I thought oh no I can't illustrate it because I can't draw vehicles <laughs> <laughs> and I had to draw the bus um, but then you googled buses I, I think I we've I got did. a slide yeah. of that haven't we I, with, um, I'll show you um, we're jumping up no this is Anna oh there's the buses yeah I do lots of buses and I knew finally that it had worked out when the kids said did you draw that and (laughs) they didn't believe I drew it because it was yeah good (laughs) but this is often um what uh uh what oh sorry this is sort of what our work looks like doesn't it initially yeah yeah, Um, yeah, tiny thumbnail roughs it's pretty much the storyboard in my mind (laughs) for all those little and luckily you're okay with all those little scribbles in the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Um, and it's really interesting. Even that's for starting school, actually. And you can see, even though they're just um, shapes in a way, you can really see the book as a whole. You can see the sort of style of it and where there's going to be vignettes, where there's going to be um, full-page illustrations. And the um, with starting school, we had the little images along the bottom, didn't we, that you... Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get to see the sort of book at a glance. Um, I'll show you with little cat. Um, since I bought a beautiful label, um, this was my very first, um, oh, not my very first, but one of my first uh, rough drafts of Little Cat. And so when I, and you can see it's so dog-eared because it's very old, but when I write a picture book, I usually, at first it's just, um, you know, typed on an A4 page, but pretty soon I start to make a, a dummy book like this. And, um, I don't know, you mightn't know a little cat, but it's a story about a little girl who falls asleep on a bus. And um, so even though I'm not, I'm not um, doing the illustrations, obviously, I'm always, in my mind, even at this stage, I'm always thinking about which part of the story will be revealed through words and which part will be revealed through illustration. And um, so there's a page that has no text, which is actually yeah, this one, one isn't oh, it? Yeah. Um, where little cats asleep and... Um, this was that page in this very early draft and there's no no typed words on there like there is on all the other pages and it just says double page spread picture only little cat asleep in the bus which is now stopped at the depot it is dark so i sort of always knew that 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 um that part of the story would be uh, much more powerful if it was revealed through illustration so the child themselves has to 
make that connection and think, oh, she's fallen asleep. We never had to say that, did we? Oh, and this was just, yeah, the idea behind um, <laughs> Little Cash and the Big Red Bus, because uh, she falls asleep on the way home, and she lives in a country town, and she's, um, uh, she's eat like in prep, and the bus, it's a long journey back to her bus stop, and um, I was, uh, the, I got the idea for the story, I was speaking in a um, uh, school in, um, in the Mallee, in uh, northern Victoria, and we were talking, I was talking with the kids about things they might, um, things in their own lives that they can uh, explore and turn into stories and I was saying oh what's something really scary that's happened and so many of these little grade ones said last year I fell asleep on the bus on the way home and some of them missed their stop some of them their big sister got off and left them on the bus like there were all sorts of dramas and um, I in the end that that was sort of the, the beginning of the idea for, for Little Cat but then when I went to America recently or a few years ago um, apparently it's such a problem kids falling asleep on buses they have to have this special check at the end of every bus ride <laughs> and um, then they put up this sign and so um, that was a little yeah. bit about the work together at the launch but we've done each book we approach um, similarly it's in a similar process in a way that um, in bringing in elements of our family and our life so I suppose we write or illustrate in a way what's close to us that's yeah. the way. and so I just thought I'd show um, this illustration from all through the year and <coughs> some of the ideas of the story were I believe um, Jamie's children. I need to think of my son now. I know. Like six foot four Sitting on covered in own. tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> like that. And um, that's my dog Sunshine so she's um, in quite a few of the stories from when she was a puppy. She's 10 years old now and she's still um, doing well so <laughs> she's still making it into the picture books I think she'd like her own but she's she doesn't complain her own picture books oh, <laughs> yeah. um, and for starting school yeah I thought we'd have a look at that the different techniques yeah with each with each book um, you often experiment with a different technique don't you yeah so we um, I went back to the kids old primary school and looked at there for reference and um, when we develop char characters we're talking a lot or yeah, um, um, about getting to know the children and what they'd be like. So initially, I think I had Hannah with her hand up, but after speaking to Jamie, it was really Sunita who was <laughs> um, the um, child who always would like to have her thoughts known. And I think with that, well, one of the things we really wanted to do with that book, wasn't it, was to have, there's five characters and we really wanted a character that any child starting school would, any individual child would be able to sort of relate to one of yeah, them and think, oh, yeah. I'm a bit like, I'm a bit shy like Polly or, you know, I forget everything like Joe does. Or, uh, yeah. That book's actually based on a book I made oh, yeah. with, um, with my daughter Lizzie. She's 25 now, but um, in May 1998, when she was in prep, we made this book together and with some friends of hers and it was really just me interviewing the children and them talking about their first experiences of school, the first few months of school, and many of the things that are the actual dialogue in the book are things that the kids uh, told me about their, the things they loved and the things they were afraid of and the things they didn't really understand. And um, so that was, I never thought when I made that book that I would 15 yeah, years later it, yeah. turn it into <laughs> another book. And these are what some of the illustrations look like before I dress the children. The kids are slightly horrified, my kids. <laughs> Mum, you can't put new kids in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so cr I created the illustrations for these. I thought about how much I loved sticking and pasting when I was, when I was young. So the, the 
illustrations themselves have that collage feel and I cut out, I made these tiny templates, templates which seemed like a great idea at the time until I realised I had to cut out all the little collars. The paper didn't always match my nail polish, you know. <laughs> so, photo, so they're all the clothes for some of the teachers and then I cut them out and stuck them on, which you can't really see in the final, but that's one of the final illustrations. And then by the time it's scanned, it looks like it flattens out quite a bit. So in the book, you almost wouldn't know that it was made of cut paper, but um, there was something nice about the process of creating illustrations. And also I think with that cut paper, you get that lovely blunt line yeah, that, um, that you don't. Yeah, um, yeah. But I always think with Anna, whenever I see her original work, I just think, this just needs to be like you just need to have an exhibition for every yeah, for every yeah. bit of work you do because sometimes when it is printed, it's yeah, it does flatten it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you lose. Oh, and then and and each book seems to inform the next one like almost like a stepping stone. So um, so what do you wish for? Oh, um, yeah, this is a wishing tree near, near the Mary Creek in Clifton Hill, and um, I used to walk around there and. There's just all these wishes written on it by kids and adults, and like there's one saying the government should legalise marijuana, and there's <laughs> and there's some of the wishes for what do you wish for were wishes I, I saw on the tree, like the one where the little girl says I wish a lost cat would come to my doorstep, yes, and yeah. some of them are very sad, very poignant, you know, uh, you know they wish some member of their family was still alive or someone wasn't sick or something, and I just found it like it's just not even a beautiful tree or anything, you might have seen it, it's just on the Mary Creek Walk um, at, at the end of Ramsden Street, I think it is, um, and it's quite bedraggled, you know, but it's, I just found it a very moving um, thing, and, and it, it, the way it, it happened was, it, you know, it doesn't have a sign saying this is a wishing tree or anything, it's just obviously someone's gone along and, and hung a wish there and then other people have done the same, and when we did the book we had so many lovely um, comments and uh, photographs and things from from teachers who yeah, did that with their kids they did and as families. As a classroom, yeah, classroom activity. And so during um, at that time, I had a press in the studio, so I was experimenting with um, uh, etching and woodblock printing um, to create the illustrations. And I put this in because I was cutting out the leaves out of the silver, and then with the book with Gogo -Go and the silver shoes, I've used a similar technique so it's almost like a warm-up <laughs> not that I knew that <laughs> for um for Miss Gogo. Yeah there's always so much like with Anna's artwork there's so much layering that goes on and when you when you look at it really closely like you know here there's sort of these layers of collage and then often and then they're scanned aren't they and then there's your, yeah. your um then uh photoshop more work on that so they're so delicately um put together um, yeah, so, okay, so we come to Go-Go. Um, this is a bit embarrassing. <laughs> this is just like the wacky sort of This is ideas, not wacky, this is gold. Um, ideas is gold. sort of um, <laughs> brainstorm in my own head. And often when I'm thinking of an idea for a picture book, I just type stuff and I just have it in a folder in my computer. And this was sort of the beginnings of Go-Go. And that, that stuff at the start, it didn't, like it couldn't actually even spell Go-Go. But um it didn't end up like that at all, but some of the, the beginning of the ideas of the character and and uh, the beginning of the story too was sort of in those thoughts. Um, and I have always been interested in the idea of shoes in stories, um, like from Cinderella to Hans Christian Andersen's Red Shoes, Hans Brinkle or the Silver Skates, 
Dorothy's red shoes that apparently were silver in the book in the Wizard of oh. Oz book they made them red because the silver didn't work on with the uh, movie oh, camera it was too yeah. reflective um, and uh, or Puss in Boots like there's so many stories that have shoes as sort of an iconic part of them um, and and, and, and I, I think often too of the importance of a baby's um, first pair of shoes you know and often people keep their baby's first pair of shoes I've even seen them like when they have them plated with gold or some sort of metal to, to keep them forever um, so it was also this idea of shoes as a sign of independence and um, that sort of, of your ability to step out into the world and there is something magical about new shoes is that like I'm not like a Melbourne Marcus I don't have a whole lot of pairs of shoes or anything but I think you know that there is something really special about new shoes um, and shoes in fairy tales often have this sort of transformative or like magical power um, and sometimes they do help a character sort of f have find a grounding in the world or change their life in some way. Um, and they also have sort of a contradictory aspect to them because they're, you know, often shoes bind your feet as well as give you some sort of protection. So um, I think these are some of the reasons why I was, I always wanted to write a book about shoes. And I actually tried a couple of other, um, three or four other picture books that were about shoes before I, I came to Go Go. Um, so, and then a few years ago, I did see a shoe, a child's shoe abandoned by a creek. And there's something like, I sent you a couple of the images, a few images of shoes, and yeah. like there's something um, almost creepy about, you know, an abandoned <laughs> shoe, but also immediately, I immediately thought, who's, where did this shoe come from? Who did this shoe belong to? What's the journey of the shoe? And what's the journey of the child who's obviously lost the shoe? Um, and around the same time as I was thinking about that, um, our friend and illustrator Andrew Joyner told me he had a niece whose name is Marigold, but they call her Gogo. And I just thought, what a fabulous name. And I started to think about what sort of little girl would be called Gogo. And, you know, she'd be quite, um, uh, quite strong and independent to have a name like that and maybe a bit of a nonconformist. And that was sort of how the character started to form in my mind. Um, and, oh, this is a, this is, a <laughs> this picture is embarrassing. This is me and my dad and my sister and my brother and my grandpa. That's me there with that really... I looked like a boy till I was about 15. But, um, <laughs> but my very first memory... My actu actually, my very first memory is um, sitting on a, on a chenille bedspread. As I was probably two and a half, maybe three. Um, we were going to a party and my dad was doing up my party shoes. And I sort of feel that's such a beautiful memory of somebody looking after you. And they were black patent leather party shoes and mm. I, I remember it so clearly. Um, and also the idea of a, of a little, a child who, um, uh, you know, the way little kids, not just little girls, little boys too, when they put together their own outfits and like, it's sort of, everything's wrong, but it kind of works. Like, um, <laughs> I love the way they do that. And, um, uh, this is a picture of my dad as well with, um, my daughter Lizzie when she was a little girl and whenever he went away anywhere, he used to always buy her a hat and she had this wonderful collection of hats and sort of really started to sort of form who she was and, um, you know, it can be a way a child can express their independences through their clothing and Gogo doesn't have any new clothes but she has um, this ability to sort of put together what she has in an interesting way. Um, so that was another sort of aspect of the story that I think that I was thinking about sort of fed into the story. And also, um, I, I have always, I'm interested in that idea of sort of a meaningful coincidence or like a Jungian coincidence um, the way an unfortunate event can deliver a fortunate uh, co consequence, if you like. And um, 
that, that perhaps sometimes there's a, there's a causal relationship between things that we don't understand. So there is this sort of universe looking after Gogo idea at the end of the book mm. when she finds a friend who finds her shoe. Um, so uh, they were some of the ideas that I was exploring when I, uh, when I was writing the book. And then when I showed it to Anna, we got so excited um, sending pictures of shoes to I each know, other, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, I used to create um, mood boards, but now with Pinterest, you can create mood boards on Pinterest. So Jamie and I would spend often regularly um, sending shoes back and forth and collecting. And I love to think about, at the beginning of the book, I love to think about a book in terms of its colour palette and I suppose its own um, world. And by collecting the pictures, I feel helps to create or visualise the world and the, the, colour, the colours of that. So we begin from that and creating, um, like we showed Jamie before, the thumbnails and storyboards, lots of scratchings and uh, arrows and starting to think about what Go-Go might look like. So between all of this we meet quite often, and these are the very early sketches of Go-Go showing the brothers a snail. I wonder whether the, the brothers look with their arms around each other or look a bit <laughs> too... I mean, I know that does happen sometimes with brothers. <laughs> I've got two boys, but those moments are few and far between. Well, he might but have been putting his arm around him, you know, in that way brothers do. Yeah, yeah, sort of like, half, like pushing him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I work, or it's my studio in Richmond, but I work at Abbotsford Convent now, where um, it's where I paint. So I like to experiment with ink and um, pencil and collage and watercolour. Usually I've got a really clear mind of what I would love the book to look like and it's always exciting in the beginning because I'm like, this is going to be so awesome. <laughs> um, because you can obviously imagine whatever you like but then obviously the reality comes in of um, actually trying to translate that uh, visual to um, paint and ink and which is fun. And so this is the beginning of cutting out all the plants and in the some of the background scenes. The the background scenes almost become a character in themselves in yeah. some ways in the books. And these are some of the early pictures of um, Gogo trying to work out the hair colouring and what her shoes might look like. Um, and during this process, we're also making lots of dummies of the book. So probably across this span of the book, I don't know how many dummies we make, eight, ten, I don't know, yeah. to see how it's reading. and. Um, Sometimes we make, actually I've got one there, but we make it, um, Anna makes a really small little black and white dummy and we carry it around in our handbags yeah. whenever you like at the <laughs> dentist or something, you can get it out. And, um, I, I love looking at the pace, not only at the individual scenes, but to look through considering like the quiet scenes, busy scenes, so you can see, yeah, as almost like a film, so um, bringing hopefully the reader and to try to communicate for this, uh, this story. Um, I really enjoy working with the cut paper. I'm still looking for a way of trying to photograph this, but we, I've ended up scanning it so it does flatten it off. But it's fun placing in the characters initially. So this is playing with the, the kitchen scene. So it starts off from the really early roughs and then basically keep drawing and redrawing. And oh, Sometimes, sometimes I thought, oh, the bed's, bedspread's going to get really beautiful with those big triangles on it. And then I try it out and think, oh, I can't even see the characters against the massive triangles. <laughs> so it's kind of back to the drawing board again and um, just playing with scale and colouring so that, yeah, when the characters are sitting on the bed, you can actually see them. So that's all the... <laughs> 
up paper and things. Um, you can see the little girls are not in the bed yet. I've just uh, placed those in Photoshop a bit later. Um, yeah, there's a lot of days just spent cutting things out, which um, is a job. <laughs> um, oh, and so that's the final, that's the final scan and the scene. Um, there's some of the fish scenes. I remember early on when I was working with Jamie with Little Cat in the Big Red Bus, um, there was a scene which was so beautifully written. It, I only remember it when the, um, the page where Little Cat goes through the different seasons. Oh, but we, I've got the dummy that we had to take out. And, and well, we had to take out. Jamie said she might take it out because it would make the story better. I'm like, what? You can't take out that scene. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I don't think I would have said that at the I time. Yeah, but I, I think I was amazed that you were able to cut that out for the, to make the book better. And I thought that was like an inspiring, courageous thing to do. <laughs> and I, I kind of held that with me. So if, like, it, an, if an illustration's not working, I'll just do it again and again, like take it out. Like a, that's, I suppose, a philosophy I've had since that moment because I could not believe it like that you could this was it this yeah, yeah <laughs> it, was, it was just a little you know all the different days that it was the same on good days and bad days windy days rainy days sunny days snowy days heavy days and happy days you've got to use that sometimes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um I think I think looking at the book as a whole and doing what's best for the book so um yeah I think is really important that's what I um to do now with my own books too and mind you sometimes I do them again and again and think actually that was my best <laughs> uh, early on so sometimes I do that too okay. like I look at a really early draft and I think that was actually better no. than the 25 drafts I did after that um some illustrations work straight away like oh actually I think that was the third kookaburra, kookaburra I did but when I did that I'm like oh like that's exactly what I wanted to um capture so um, it's just building up the scenes. I like to work on all the illustrations, oh, cat's helping, um, <laughs> to all the illustrations at once rather than complete one illustration and finish it. So I bring them all up together as a family so that they all hopefully relate to each other. Um, and yeah, each Yeah, because other. often there's like, say with the foliage and that, it's like right throughout the book, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so that's right. And the colouring, I don't know. It'll, oh, so that's all the illustrations spread out on the table ready to be scanned. Um, so often they're scanned in bits, aren't they? And then you put yeah. it together in, yeah. um, in Photoshop. Yeah, yeah later. Um, and Ellie, that Gogo's friend is actually Asian too. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's my dodgy drawing. I can't tell. Oh no, I think that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, and I thought I'd include. Oh, um, we've talked that we often we often include activities for kids to do with with the books. Um, I think you both were really passionate about um, art um, in classrooms and um, as well as reading and telling stories in different ways. So um, this is one of the activities where kids can cut out a template um, for the shoe and if we zoom out there and. Um, yeah, cut them out of cardboard and add pom-poms or glittery or um, wh whatever they like. So um, I think one of the best things about, I don't know, storytelling is making a place or it can be whatever you want it to be. And so, um, and I know the kids seem to love whether it be telling stories with like stop motion or plasticine or cut paper or 
I mean, some kids are very bitter, aren't they, compared to just writing the words. You always have fun when they're working with workshops and the kids, the big, um, some, of the, some of them are good at words, but some have got their own ways of telling stories and hearing their voice through that. I think or expressing really, themselves. That's what I'm trying to yeah, say. Like, um, <laughs> For like me, here. I'm more visual, I can't even speak. But, <laughs> that's what but I'm you can, say, um, yeah, yeah. like with the shoe, you could, yeah. that, you know, they could, decorate that shoe to be a real expression of who yeah, they are. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I remember we did that activity with starting school where we cut out all those... Um, they made oh, their yeah, own, like, yeah. they had their own yeah. figure and then they cut out, you know, or we had cut out a lot of clothing and they did it too. And it was just gorgeous to see the characters that the kids made. Yeah, and they, they didn't um, even use the clothing half No, the they did their own thing yeah, and, yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, oh, is that the last one? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> Some more beautiful shoes. Oh, no, I've got some details. Of, uh, yeah. Um, so not the last I love one. that paper yeah. pom-pom. It's really cool. Oh, it's not paper. Oh, look at a few of those. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. these are the... Oh, I've yeah. got these here. These are the beautiful little shoes. <laughs> that Anna made for me. Oh, it's made of clay, I think. Yeah, it? made of... Yeah. <laughs> They're teeny. <laughs> it's a very precious thing. I'm not going to take it when we go to schools because I'm scared that they'll get wrecked, but um, Anna gave me this as a little birthday, birthday thing last year, so oh. tiny little silver shoes. <laughs> Um, so we hope that you um, you enjoy the new book and um, that you, the, the kids you work with enjoy it as well and um, hope that's given um, been interesting in terms of the way Anna and I work. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That was amazing. Um, I'm not sure if any of you have noticed the shoes. No. <laughs> 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 Can you see the shoes that both of them are wearing? Okay, now this is on behalf of SLAB, this is a small token to thank um, Anna and Jane. Uh, those of you that know Mary Manning, this is olive oil from her olive farm oh, in Euroa, so oh, wow. that's something special for both of you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. I think um, they've been so generous, I think, in the way they've shared their journey with all of these books, so if you could join me in thanking them again. So lucky to have them here. Um, so what I'd like to do now is just, uh, could I please, on behalf of all of you, thank Melbourne Grammar for uh, allowing us to use this wonderful venue, and in particular Robin Driver and Joe Ruffles, who arranged for us to be able to use the theatrette, so we thank them very much for that. And I think now what we can do, if anyone would like to purchase any more from the bookshop, um, browse, and maybe there might be a cup of tea or coffee left outside, and I do know that Anna and Jane have done sign for us, are you? Yes, please. And I think we're going to set that up on the what was the registration table when you came in. So thank you very much for coming. I hope you enjoyed the afternoon. I certainly have. I think it was fantastic. So thank you very much.